Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hot Mike with Honey Withrow is underway on this Tuesday edition. Glad you're with us. Includes on our live stream, YouTube right now, live each day for the next uh, three hours, 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern. You can join Chad live in the chat. Search out Outkick on YouTube. Hit the subscription button and uh, join us there each and every day. If you're listening to this great radio partner, we say thank you uh, uh, tremendously uh, for, for that effort and, and for that loyalty to our radio network. Jim Nagy joins us from the Reese's Senior Bowl. He'll be with us in... 20 minutes. He joins us each and every Tuesday. He, along with his entire scouting staff, roughly 18 to 20 scouts, go out to the best college matchups across the country, specifically looking for participants uh, to uh, receive invites to the Breeze's Senior Bowl in February. He sees the best of the best and the next layer to what is a, a fantastic uh, NFL talent pool. We'll talk with uh, Jim about who he noticed, specifically Ohio State-Notre Dame uh, from the weekend. Michael McHenry, also on today's show, MLB analyst for us, uh, also does great work with the Pittsburgh Pirates. He jumps in in hour number two. A lot to discuss across Major League Baseball as we get to the postseason play. Chad, good afternoon. Hutton, I am pissed off for greatness today. I am ready to fight. I'm ready for a fight. I wish we could take callers today so I could fight a caller. I like you too much to fight you. Maybe I'll fight someone in studio in here at some point. Um, I don't think we've ever fought. Yeah, you know, as a hardcore sports take guy that I am, right? That's right. You know what a good time to live in as hardcore sports take guy? For outkick sports. Is football season. That's a great time to be in when you're a hardcore sports take guy. We've got hardcore sports takes today. I've got a big take today on Taylor Swift that we're going to talk about. Today's show is where sports meets culture, meets the best damn thing going right now. And I will fight anyone who says otherwise. Man, I wish we could take some calls today. Well, It'd you, be an exciting day call to me, take I can calls. put them on speakerphone for you. Where's Deion Sanders? Can we get Deion Sanders on the show today? I want to ask Deion Sanders. Give me this camera right here, <laughs> this one-on-one camera. I have got a message for Deion Sanders. Do you believe, Coach? Do you believe? Your players were out there talking trash before the game. Your son is acting a fool, going after Dan Lanning, getting Oregon pissed off. You're getting your ass kicked. What do you say to that now? Do you believe that that behavior's right? Do you believe that that behavior's helping your program? This is what I would say if I was Ed Werder and I was ever in a press conference with Deion Sanders. I would say this to him. I know that Trey Wallace is allowed to travel, and he will be in Boulder, and he'll be allowed to ask him a question this week. Trey, you're going to join our show this week later. Please, I implore you, ask Deion Sanders if he believes this week. That is what we need. Hutton, it's going to be a hell of a show. Chad, I want to get back to this Dion discussion uh, later in the show, and and God bless you uh, for what you said about uh, football and sports and the millions upon millions that are tuned in to watch football on a weekly basis. We start with Scorched Earth on Hot uh, Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow, 
And uh, speaking of millions, 24.3 million viewers tuned in. By the way, I'm glad we got that out live. Yeah. 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 yeah that's, uh, I hope you were watching that right now. I'm going to go see how many people are watching because those are the only people that will be able to see that great rant that I just went on right 24. there. 24.3 million tuned in for a blowout. 41 to 10 was the final score of Kansas City and Chicago. But Chad, number one. Uh, in the demo amongst females, 12 to 17 and 18 to 49 on Fox. The Swifties. Taylor Swift in the house at Arrowhead. Chiefs win big. And Taylor Swift shows the impact of the ultimate crossover from pop culture and music and international fame to the NFL. 24.3 for that game compared to some other massive ones across the league because of the Taylor impact, and it's already showing. Most watched telecast the week on any network. 24.3 million viewers. Incredible for what was a terrible football game that Kansas City dominated from the beginning. Hutton, you laid it out there with the female uh, d- demographics. I-, I love how they break out demographics this day and age so exact. There's such specificity to it. Females age 12 to 17, females age 18 to 34, females age 18 to 49, and females two and up, two plus. Isn't yeah, that so just all females? That's just females, right? Yeah. So what they didn't get was what 50 to 75, but yet they had two plus. So they didn't get the zero to two bracket in females. Here's what we know: Taylor Swift is a global icon and maybe the biggest celebrity on the planet. You put her in a suite in view of Fox cameras, and they can catch her every, react, every reaction to the game and good things happening for the Chiefs, people are going to watch. I'm amazed that people that did not have any rooting interest or even aren't big football fans decided, I want to tune into this Chiefs-Bears game late Sunday afternoon in hopes that I catch a glimpse of Taylor Swift. Isn't that amazing? That's all you're going to do. You're going to catch her in a suite? And this, that many more people would tune in for that because Taylor Swift is in a suite? Incredible. That's the icon status. My hat is off to her. That's the icon status. That's, and the Swifties. We, we touched on this. She's selling out three straight nights of stadiums, uh, not just arenas, stadiums, and then doing it again three hours up or down the road from that city a couple of nights later for three more straight sellouts. And she's done that, and she's doing that in South America starting uh, in, in November. Uh, Chad, the, the impact... Uh, on the league itself is massive. The visibility there is through the roof. Kelsey's numbers, uh, as far as jersey sales and uh, social media followers, all of that, uh, uh, it's massive. What, 300,000 more? And that was just uh, as of yesterday. It's only going to rise. And then you have the, uh, the, the impact of jersey sales and everything else. What a, what a moment for Kelsey, but also the league when they're getting massive viewership on a 41-10 to 10 game that wasn't even that close until the backup QB came in for Chicago and had some throwaway scores at the end. I wonder if those 400,000 social media followers that Travis Kelsey gained, yeah. if that offset all the ones he lost when he did the Pfizer ad. No, he didn't lose any. <laughs> Does anyone unfollow Travis Kelsey because of the Pfizer ad? I'm, no. I'm being serious. I'm asking people in the chat right now uh, if that's a thing. It's like, okay, unfollow. He he took the bag from a, a big pharma 
uh, which basically does, does anyone every, unfollow, every, poli- well, every politician in the world does anyone has unfollow taken the back Kid Rock because Pharma. he drink Bud Light? No, I don't think so. No. They just they just move on to the next thing. But um, yeah, good for Travis Kelsey. This is a great business move for him. Not the Pfizer part of it. That was just a payday. The Taylor Swift being involved with her is a great business move for Travis Kelsey. I'm not saying that they're not actually in love or in a relationship or any of that. I don't know their relationship look or their look heart. Look at chat, already assuming they're in love. Look, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of the heart, Hutton, and I don't know the mysterious ways of the heart when it comes to T-Swift and T-Kelsey. But I can tell you that from a bank account standpoint and a marketability standpoint, this is a great move for Travis Kelsey. I don't think it helps Taylor Swift at all. Maybe it exposes her oh, to more football fans it's in still, the end, I mean, but it's still it's a it's a great story. It's oh, a buzzworthy story. It helps Taylor Swift. I mean, she's now the the discussion of uh, sports shows, not just you know the Swifties. Yeah, hardcore and, and, sports shows. Hey, and the the impact on the the ratings and the numbers there again. Like, uh, where's she off to next? She going to be on the road with Kansas City? Uh, that's a great, great question. Paul says in the YouTube chat, I think this is one huge marketing troll job. Um, you could say that a lot about uh, a lot for uh, some, you know, Tom Cruise with uh, Nicole Kidman. Yep. Many thought that was. Uh, many have argued that every relationship Tom Cruise has yeah, been in has been, been a big up. marketing deal that was set up by his promoters and uh, managers. Um, well, again, if it is, great for Travis Kelsey. Yeah. The hell like, of a he is bracelet. moving. This is an elevation for Travis Kelsey. So, I, I think that this is what I want to get across to the hardcore sports fan out there that does not understand the spectrum of Taylor Swift and her popularity. She is such a much bigger deal than Travis Kelsey. That People that don't saying. like Taylor Swift are like, oh, why would Travis Kelsey go down this route with Taylor Swift? You can hate Taylor Swift all you want. She is gigantic compared to Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey is a double-A baseball player in Tacoma compared to Shohei Otani when we're talking Travis Kelsey compared to Taylor Swift. They're not in the same they're not in the same ballpark. They're not in the same league. They're not in the same country. Well there's not another player compared to Shohei. No and one. that's that's your point. Like it, yes. it, it, there's no one to compare there's no So again, one, great marketing as, move and great promotional move for Travis Kelsey regardless. As far as just uh music and artists are concerned, how many can do the tour that she's doing? in the stadium shows, back-to-back-to-back, stadium sellouts, 70,000, and then turn around and three hours later, uh, three hours up the road, do it again in the city down the road or up the road. That's not happening. That's not happening. It's the diehard uh, ticket sales from like Christmas that were sold here in Nashville for Nissan Stadium that were total sellouts for those three nights. And nowadays, that's not happening. You're doing uh, an arena show, and then you're turning around and doing it again somewhere else, but you're not doing it three straight. And if you are, there are artists that could do it three straight in the arenas for 20000 each, not 70000 Yeah, Not doing that. Jay Wayne says, uh, Swift is the most popular celebrity on earth. Geez, what a pathetic commentary on society. We're all doomed. I disagree on this. I mean, in the 1980s when Michael Jackson, well, that's probably a separate story, but when the Beatles were the biggest celebrities on the planet in the 60s, does that mean we're yeah. all doomed? Taylor Swift is a pop star who went about it a very traditional way. It's not like she's a TikToker and she's the biggest celebrity on planet. She got a record deal. She had some help from her parents with that, but whatever. 
she wrote some of her own songs, a lot of them. She went from country to pop. Like, I get not loving Taylor Swift's music. That's fine. But because Taylor Swift it's, is maybe the most popular celebrity on the planet, we're all doomed as a society. Have you looked around uh, certain uh, aspects of who's popular and who's not right now? If there was, if like, she's lower if on the list. Logan than you think. Paul is the biggest celebrity on the planet. Yeah. Or someone that just made their name by being idiots on social media, I would absolutely agree with Jay Wayne and say, what, what are we doing? What, where is society right now? The fact that Kim Kardashian is close to the most popular celebrity in the country is probably more of a sign that we're all doomed than Taylor Swift, world-renowned, Grammy award-winning, a multi-platinum, writes her own music, has Stay had a, icon. Has had a record that- deal since she was 15 years old. I mean, come on. There's there's worse things out there than Taylor Swift. One of her first performances really on famous. the riverfront here in Nashville. Yeah. Hutton, uh, you didn't interview her, but I think you were around when our old radio station had yes. her in studio. It was for the Red album. Yeah, and she had like through. all red candies. Yeah, then yes, uh, on the rider. That was she had certain uh, demands just for the radio uh green room. I think now her demand would be um I have to own this radio station. Everyone has to leave, well, and then I just take over. If I'm going to do an yeah. interview on this station, then I now well, own the station. But she wouldn't pay for the employees to leave like she did at the restaurant, which is at yeah. least, you know, you get, you get your meal comped. I think everyone What was would, the kitchen like that day, you think, whenever they had to, everyone's oh, order I, came in, plus you know you're serving Taylor Swift. I think if you're the manager that night or the owner that gets the call, you, you tell everyone, no one will bother her. There will not be one request for a photo. There will be nothing, right? I mean, everyone but has to be on their the best nice, behavior. The nicest place in KC, I'm saying, like you, you go from serving, you know, uh, the the average football fan like Chad or I, you know, and then you like, oh, Taylor Swift's here and she's buying out the restaurant. Everyone's going home with their uh, to go plate. Uh, they've got their to go box ready to go, and they're by the way, they're ordering an extra entree because Taylor's paying. I mean, if. I think that she would almost remember we went and saw Chris Rock when he was working on his material yeah. at a small comedy club here in Nashville. And it's it's like the Dave Chappelle deal. Take your phones. You can't film any of it. You had to take I wonder if she had the staff put their phones away in a locker. Does that security entourage that Taylor Swift travels with Which is do massive. They, do they have like the the uh pr- the protection devices for cell phones they can put away? And that everyone in the kitchen staff, all the wait staff, <laughs> everyone there has to put their phones away to not get an image or a video of Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey dining. Either that, or you just go in and sign a uh, NDA immediately. Before she's got the resources. Oh, I mean, she definitely yeah. has the resources. Chad, uh, Joe Burrow, props to uh, <laughs> to Joe Cool for playing through the pain and the uh, discomfort, and surprisingly, no setbacks and the Monday Night Football win for Joe Burrow and the Bengals, nineteen. 19- 16 the final over the Los Angeles Rams. Not a pretty game, but he connected with Jamar Chase in a great way. This, this is you know reminiscent of what we're used to seeing. Also the passing yards, 259 yards passing, an interception, sacked twice. Uh, a great team win, too, for Cincinnati and a must win. Six sacks, two picks on the opposite end for the Bengals defense. Jamar Chase, 12 catches, 141 yards. Joe Mixon with the lone touchdown. But Burrow plays through. They get the win. And now they're on to Nashville to face the Titans this Sunday. No setbacks, a good sign. But you can tell the discomfort is something that's just going to linger and be there. Well, it's amazing how one night 
can change so many things, right? Like he wasn't great in this game, but no. Cincinnati found a way to win, and he made it through the game. And suddenly, I'm I'm leaving the show yesterday thinking, don't think he's going to play tonight. This could they could put him on the shelf if they lose tonight. The storyline of them losing is huge. And now suddenly at one and two, you're just in a jumble with so many other teams. At one and two, you're facing another one and two team next week. And the entire narrative around Joe Burrow and the Bengals com- completely changes at this point of what they can be. So I-, I think the narrative around the Rams, to me, also changed a bit last night. I thought Stafford well, was not good. Well, I think the narrative around the Rams was what we saw. Yeah. Right. And then well, they the surprised. Fe- the they, they good were the surprise. feelings about them have changed. Yeah, they, they were surprising to begin just based on the connection that Stafford had with some of his young receivers uh, and the defense being a bit better than what was expected. But it's just a, it's a team that doesn't have a ton of depth. They're relying on a, a lot of inexperienced players. And meanwhile, the vets for Cincinnati got it done in dire circumstances. And it starts with Joey B starting at QB. Bum calf. Still, Still got, got the done. W. Found a way. That's right. And they can do that this Sunday against Tennessee. Coming up, Jim Nagy joins us. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. College football playoff is expected to keep the 6-6 six and six format. We'll hit that uh, coming up throughout today's show. Sam Pittman, head coach at Arkansas, also counselor. And he gets into the social media aspects of that. Got a big show. Uh, uh, Michael McHenry joins us in an hour. Right now, we say hello on Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow across the Outkick Network. Jim Nagy, he is the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. He joins us weekly to discuss the best across college football and the scouting process leading into draft season and the incoming crop of rookies in the NFL. Jim, always great, man. Hope you've had a a, a great weekend and what is now leading up to another busy week for you. Yeah, guys, we're like a third of the way through college football season. How about that? Um, That happened fast, didn't it? You just made me really sad, uh, that realization of, man, it does go through quick. Football season, we look forward to it for so long, and it's always the shortest in duration. It kills me. Hey, uh, let, me, let me start here. Are you attending a game this weekend? Yeah, I'll be, at, uh, I'll be back up at Auburn for uh, Auburn, Georgia. So uh, it'll be my first look at the Bulldogs this year. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to that one. Now that, now that we're in conference play, man, we've, we've watched all the small school guys. They've had their opportunity to uh, show themselves against the teams they play up against, and now it's time to really – Really hone in on these power five and group of five players. How difficult is to find the upperclassmen at Georgia for you? <laughs> it's kind of like it was at Bama, you know, five, <laughs> six years ago. So it's changed a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's not easy. Who are you and, looking uh, at specifically you know, there? Yeah, you know, most of those guys bounce early now. So yeah. those early round, you know, those guys are going to be first, second round picks. So that's what it was like dealing with guys in Tuscaloosa. And now it's, it's moved to Athens. So um, the one nice thing this year with the, 
with the COVID year, um, the NFL is counting 2020, um, whether a guy redshirted or he played in all 15 games and went to the national championship like some of these Georgia guys. Um, that's an accrued season, regardless of what they did. So we, we've actually, we're exposed to a lot of redshirt juniors this year that cool. we usually aren't. So it's, it's made our pool bigger. Um, as far as Notre Dame, Ohio State, uh, just uh, watching that game, old school, uh, drives that went past midfield that ended in nothing, um, and, and then the finish, the atmosphere was, was electric. The finish was confusing with 10 men on the field and back-to-back plays. What did you make of just the overall game just as a football fan, and who stood out to you? Yeah, it was a really, it was a great game, great setting. And again, you talk about the finish. We didn't talk about Ryan Day. And uh, you guys probably have on the show talked about Ryan Day and his, yeah. his little rant there at, uh, at Lou oh, Holtz. We but, had Coach uh, Holtz no, on last week. Yeah. He got Kirk Herbstreit mad and he had to defend his boy, uh, uh, Lee Corso. <laughs> Back to Ryan Leaf. Yeah. Loved it. Yeah, so, so, but a really good game. Good players on both sides. You know, Notre Dame is. Um, they're a good football team. And, and the good news for Irish fans is most of those guys are underclassmen. They do not have a lot of, of guys for the senior bowl this year. They've got a big corner, Cam Hart, who we were watching against those Ohio state wide receivers. So really good matchup for him to kind of prove himself. They've got a couple of linebackers, uh, Lufau and, and, and uh, Bertrand that are, that, that are going to be, you know, kind of in position for us too. But, but really the focus was on, on Ohio state. They've got a number of guys, um, on that on that roster specific, specifically on defense um so yeah that was a good one we haven't i haven't gotten to the tape yet but that's going to be yeah. a good game to uh, get some takeaways from so many great quarterbacks in what was the pac 12 uh, what will be nothing pretty soon uh, <laughs> i, I want to start with bo Nix at, at oregon and what he was able to do on, on saturday dominating performance for oregon over colorado but what, what do you think of bo Nix and his transformation from what he was at Auburn, what he struggled with then, and what he's been able to develop in his time in Eugene? I've said this before. It's a good question. I've said this before with Bo. I think the most impressive thing is his ability to undo a lot of bad habits that he developed at Auburn. He, he's always had the physical talent. That's why he got on the field as a, as a true freshman. You got to think of it this way. So like our first exposure at the Senior Bowl, we were at his first game as a freshman against Oregon when there was another another guy wearing number 10, and that's Justin Herbert. Um, and now it feels like Justin's been in the league for quite a while now. Now, now Bo's wearing his jersey. Um, but, we, you know, when I was working in the NFL, the, the hardest part when you saw a raw football player at the college level and you're trying to project him to be in a pro is like how long does it take to undo some of these bad habits or some of this bad technique? And, uh, and Bo did it overnight last year. And, uh, and he's just carried that on to this year. He played really execution-free football uh, yesterday, flawless uh, execution, uh, made things happen with his legs when he needed to, uh, but mostly just sat in the pocket and made throws. So, um, yeah, he's one of those guys. I mean, you got him, Cam Ward at Washington State, Michael Penix. I don't know how, where you guys are going to pivot this conversation, but uh, – there's a bunch of bunch of quarterbacks out there playing great football. And I want to get back to the individuals in a moment. Just and you mentioned Bo Nix and, and just how he's improved based on the coaching process. And I'm not specifically looking at Auburn last year, but I guess it, it, it did spark this. How how often, Jim, are you watching a player and you're like, man, this is just it, it, it's a, it's a, it's an okay scheme for him, but he's not in the great scheme for him. And I would love to see him here, and he projects at this level, even though he's not maximum effort, maximum level, because of where he's playing and who he's playing for. 
Yeah, all the time. We have to, we have to, I mean, we're really mindful of that in the evaluation process. These guys, they're not in all cases being used yeah. um, up to their ability. I, I think at the NFL level right now, we're seeing, you know, Miami, the Miami Dolphins score 70 this week. And, uh, and I think that's, you got to give their coaching staff credit. They are really playing to the strengths of what they have, uh, their personnel. That doesn't always happen. And it's happening less and less in college football right now because of all the player movement and all the coaching movement. So a lot of these guys that come in as freshmen think they're going to be in one scheme two years later, they're not. So yeah, we, we just have to evaluate the physical potential of a player. And uh, a lot of times that works out in our benefit. If they don't feel like they're being used properly in college, we bring them here to Mobile and uh, try to showcase them in, in the best possible light. So yeah, we, we're always mindful of that. And Chad, another great example just in, in the pros is the Cleveland defense last year to this year with Jim Schwartz. I mean, they, they put on a clinic uh, this past Sunday. Back to the quarterbacks, though, Chad. Yeah, let's let's pivot to some of those other Pac-12 quarterbacks uh, that you mentioned. Michael Penix Jr. at Washington and what he's been able to do. And I, I love watching that offense and how he orchestrates it as well. What jumps out to you when you watch him play? Um, deep ball. Um, those guys are explosive. They, they kind of felt their way that first week against Boise. I think we've talked about it on the show. Um, and ever since they're – their foot on the gas and uh he's throwing the three nfl receivers there's a lot of skill around him but man they take shots and uh and they can they can put you away in a hurry and he's done that he throws a really accurate deep ball and when he isn't on target those guys do a great job of adjusting roma dunzi and, and jalen mcmillan those guys do a great job so they're as explosive as an offense as there is in college football right now and there's some great matchups i mean we're we're staring at here in a couple of weeks those guys taking on uh, Bo Nix in there in Seattle. Um, so that's going to be a nice matchup. You got the Apple Cup down the road against Cam Ward. Um, there's going to be some really fun matchups. So Penix, Penix is kind of picking up where he left off at the end of last season. He Last year was a major bounce back year after a really disappointing 2021 in Indiana. Um, and he's kept it rolling. Washington State with a huge win. Jake Dickert, their head coach, gets everyone fired up post game with his comments about what Lee Corso had to say. Lost in this is Cam Ward, a guy I don't think we've had a chance to talk about yet, Jim, that has had a great career there in the Palouse. What what do you think of Cam Ward, the prospect, and what he does within that Washington State offense? Yeah, I really like the prospect. Um, he was our Senior Bowl Offensive Player of the Week this week. We probably could have named him that, you know, two or three times already this year. He's, uh, you know, he was at Incarnate Word um, coming out of high school, not a lot of offers, and uh, made the jump to Washington State last year. And really what stood out on last year's tape was just his ability to run around and make magic happen. And he, and he could do that. Um, what you're seeing this year is just playing more within the scheme, more within the pocket. He can take off whenever he wants to and extend plays, do that and really stress the defense. But we're just seeing him play more on time, more on schedule. Um, and he's popped a couple receivers on the radar um, that weren't on the radar come, you know, three weeks ago. So um, some guys are benefiting from his play on his football team. So he's done a great job. Um, he deserves all, all the accolades he's getting right now. Um, and again, he just keeps getting better. Um, so I had a chance to be around him at the Manning camp this summer. Great kid, great family. Um, got a chance to meet mom and dad. So yeah, he's, he's, he's on his way for a special year. Jim Nagy with this executive director of the Reese's senior bowl. You mentioned Oregon and their dominant performance over, over Colorado. Now USC has their opportunity headed to Boulder, and, and Caleb Williams gets gets that exposure, gets that rub off of everyone tuning in to see primetime and, and his team. What do you expect from Caleb Williams this season, Jim, based on I mean, 
trying to go back-to-back with the Heisman. And so far, what's been the analysis? Well, I just got done watching those guys. I was watching some tape on their offense uh, just about a half hour ago. Uh, His running back, Marshawn Lloyd, who's a South Carolina transfer, was Mm. one of our stock-up players for this week. We pick three or four guys every week that we see jumping on tape. Um, Marshawn was one of them, and he looks like an early-round running back. I mean, this is a guy that, um, you know, was on the radar coming into the year, but now he looks like he could be a day-two draft pick. He looks like an NFL starter. Um, I'll say this about Caleb. So Marshawn's a really good player. Jerry Rice's son has popped on tape. Brennan Brennan Rice um, had a monster game against Arizona State, and he's being protected really well. That offensive line is doing an excellent job. They don't get enough credit. Um, there's NFL guys on that offensive line. So, so bringing back to Caleb, he's playing with NFL people. He's got a lot to 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 make it happen with. Um, we're still seeing him run around and do what he's done, and sometimes he doesn't need to. Uh, when you watch the tape, I mean, there's a good pocket there. And he just likes getting out and creating. I mean, that's just kind of the artistry of his game. Um, and then flipping it to the other side, this is a big prove it week for, for Colorado and how this football team bounces back. We we saw them riding high, um, and then they go in and, and, and you know got it. They got the chip knocked off uh, last week, and we'll see how they respond. This is a big, big bounce back kind of prove it week. Like, what is this Colorado team made of uh, back there home in Boulder against uh, USC? Well, speaking of bounce-back opportunities, uh, Tennessee's going with the dark mode, black uniforms on Saturday night, a revenge opportunity yep. against South Carolina who derailed their chances at the playoff a year ago. You mentioned Marshawn Lloyd leaving South Carolina. They don't have much of a running game for Spencer Rattler. It's all Spencer Rattler in the passing game. Joe Milton does have a rushing attack at Tennessee and a, and a really good one, but a good opportunity for both of these guys to really show something uh, at night in Neyland. What do you think about the two quarterbacks leading the way for these teams? Yeah, this is this is kind of a tone setter game for both these teams now that we're into the SEC play. Uh, big one for Tennessee after after really getting I mean, embarrassed isn't the right word, but but you know getting knocked down a peg um, on the road at the swamp. I don't think anyone expected that. You know, not not that Florida wouldn't win. They won all those games in a row against Tennessee down there, but just the fashion that it happened. Um, they really controlled the run game. Tennessee could not run the football. Um, but with the two quarterbacks, you know, I think I think they both still have a lot to prove. Um, Joe Milton didn't play his best down there in the swamp. He needs a big bounce back game. You're right. It has been on Spencer Rattler and, and Xavier Leggett is another guy that's kind of jumped out this year in the SEC. I think he's leading the country in receiving right now, but it has been on the past game. So a lot's going to be on Spencer again. I think that's how it's going to be all season. Um, and you look at what he did last week. I think he was 20 to 24. Uh, we had some really good performances in the SEC last week, Spencer being one of them. But, uh, yeah, I think whatever quarterback gets hot is going to win this football game. Obviously, Tennessee, when, when they're rolling, that's as hard a place to play in the country. Um, so they have the advantage. But I'll say this, South Carolina has went on the road this year, a kind of neutral site game against UNC. So they've done this. You know, now they need to go into a hostile SEC environment and take care of business. So this will be a fun one to watch. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to that one in Neyland. How much have you paid attention to Penn State and, and what they're doing quietly in the Big Ten? We've seen them play twice as a staff, so I get all those reports in every week. We saw them last week against Iowa. We saw them a couple weeks ago. I think we've seen them in the last two weeks, two weeks ago against Illinois. Um, and they've got a lot of names right now for our game. They've got a lot of guys on the list, if you will. They've got probably the best tight end duo in the country when it comes to seniors, Tyler Warren and, and Theo Johnson. Um, those guys are really good. Um you know, Keandre Lambert-Smith at wide receiver is a weapon. 
Uh, like, and they've got some players on defense. So they've got, but there's a lot of guys that are kind of new roles, kind of prove it roles. Johnny Dixon, one of their corners, kind of jumped out at us last week, had a good game. Um, so some guys that are still proving themselves, but you know, really the name when you're talking about NFL draft in Penn State. This year it's Olu Fashanu, their left tackle, um, who right now is going to be the number one, number two tackle uh for most people with Oklahoma's Trevor Guyton. So um, yeah, it's a good, it's another, it's another good batch up. We, 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 we're, we always, we always have our eyes on Penn state. Uh, James Franklin does a great job recruiting players and developing players up there. So, uh, but still some things need to shake out. See, see how guys play over the course of the year. Hey, and this is where you, I mean, this is in the heart of your season right here. As you mid October, you've got conference play every week. It's about to ramp up with the, the cream of the crop, right? Yeah, it will. I mean, we're we're really we're about a month away from inviting players right now. So we're we're really in the middle. This is like this is the midway point for us because we're going to invite the bulk of our roster uh, here in about four or five weeks. So then we'll have the month of November to we'll save some roster spots for guys that that, that play really well that last month. I think we owe that to the players, especially these guys that come over and transfer situations are really still trying to figure out a playbook. But but uh, yeah, so we're, we're in the thick of it. Um, our staff's working hard. I think we were at 14 games last week. Um, and I think we're going to be at 11 or 12 more this week. So That's yeah, awesome. we are, we are, we are certainly in the thick of it. Jim, thank you so much, man. We're loving these each week and, uh, keep up the great work. We'll catch up next week. All right, fellas. Have fun this week. Yeah, same, same to you. Jim Nagy there, executive director of the Reese's senior bowl coming up on the bus or abandoned ship. That's next with NFL talent. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperice.com. Sixth at Peabody, our location with Eob Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Your source for sports and culture. Right here, baby. Here we go. That? Here what we a, go. What a concept. And Moonshine. May how need, many, how many shows today. do you know that some. has, within seven feet go on. of the host, has a complete kaleidoscope of Moonshine bottles? Someone in the YouTube chat got all mad and said, ah, it's not real Moonshine. Moonshine is clear. All Moonshine is clear. What you guys well, are showing isn't Moonshine. Well, they flavor Moonshine, too. I understand they have saying, white lightning now. They yeah. have, yeah, it's called white lightning. That's the real hardcore moonshine. Now it's it's uh it's not the made with kerosene that your great grandfather yeah. used. I I, I kind of want to explain something to the person who said this to me. Coming from someone who has seen that done too. Yeah, the, to the person that wants all the you know that's not real moonshine. Real moonshine is kerosene. In this whole difficult maybe for you to understand way of I don't know turning a profit. Uh, the people at Old Smoky decided to create moonshines in different flavors. Right. That's not just kerosene flavor. In doing that, they're able to <laughs> not package just kerosene it flavor, not made with in, kerosene. In pretty packages and sell these packages. You can see some of them. Oh, these are just beers behind us. But if you come to this to this venue and see it, you'll see that they're in pretty packaging for you to buy in all sorts of fall flavors. Right now, they got their fall menu out. You can buy you different go, Chad, flavors right of moonshine. But yes, to the hardcore, th- give me that white lightning. There you go. So for the hardcore moonshine enthusiast, what you have here is their product called White Lightning. 
moonshine. This is what the gentleman in the YouTube chat, this is what he wants. He wants a gasoline-type effect when you drink the moonshine. They have that for you here. They also have a kaleidoscope of flavors. They have a summer menu. They have a fall menu. They have various flavors. This is all done uh, to, to brand their product and to also sell product. This is an American institution as old as this country itself. It's called marketing. It's called profitability. And that's what they're about here at Old Smokey. Um, and if you don't like it, GTFO. That's well, they, what I'll say to you. They've got the uh, 100 proof here, but they also have the, the Blue Flame, which is their 140. We also have a gentleman right now up. trying to make out with his girlfriend in front of the moonshine, and she's having none of it. Nice. Right in front of wow. us. Wow. Yeah, just just witness that also. He's about to be pissed off for greatness. I'm prepared to today. fight, though. Anyone who wants to start a fight in the YouTube chat, go ahead. We Chad, can, we can uh, go at it. I'm, I'm ready for a fight today. I think Jordan, Jordan did post in the YouTube chat to fight me. Uh, so I wow. guess if I wanted to come back on the claim. You need a surrogate, which will be Jack. The, I'll be your second. The better take like on the Burr moonshine and Alexander Hamilton. situation would just be that moonshine, from where it came, is just something that's distributed illegally. Yeah. Not that it's clear or yeah, it's not clear and there's flavors involved. Yeah, bootleggers. Great. The prohibition, you know, every bit of alcohol in America was illegal at one point. So for that, then, you know, you go and buy a Bud Light and that someone said, that's not real beer. Beer, when I was a child, was illegal because it was during prohibition. Okay. Awesome. Well, now you have, uh, you have your choice of uh, moonshine, beer, uh, anything. I, I will say, I've had, Whiskey. I've had hardcore moonshine that I thought I was going to go blind when I drank it. And uh, drinking a no. shot of that white lightning, it's a very similar sensation. <laughs> I, I'm sorry that they've taken some of the impurities out that may completely damage your internal organs forever. If someone in the YouTube chat has a problem with that not being real moonshine, if you want to taste death every time you drink this alcohol, maybe Old Smokey isn't for you. I apologize to everyone out there. But I will tell you that when you drink this alcohol, you, it feels every bit as potent yep. as the stuff that my old uncle uh, gave me one time when I was you know, fresh out of high school. So it's like a Marlboro Red. I've never smoked a cigarette <laughs> in my life. Well, there's a difference. <laughs> Grew up with parents who smoked, the grandmother who raised me who smoked. I was just completely turned off to the second hand. Now, I've smoked many a cigarette secondhand. I've just never actually put one to my lips. Those are the best because they're free. <laughs> <laughs> Spoken as a true East Tennessean. It is time to be on the bus or off the bus. It's uh, time to go around the, the roundabout a bit here, Davey. All right, guys. So for this edition, on the bus, off the bus, I'm going to be driving you around. Went ahead, put the shades on, you know, just to be a well safe done. driver and make sure the Required. sun is not uh, going to impact my performance. It's but a little bit gonna, like a blind man, too. We're going to start uh, – pull a Ray Charles if you not, need me to. Not, not great if, for the bus driver. Yeah. If we're getting this thing rolling, we're going to start in Las Vegas, and this is Josh McDaniels' last season for the Raiders, are you on the bus or off the bus? So I'm off the bus on this one. Um, I think the Raiders are cash-strapped, and I think the reports last year about them really needing Josh McDaniels to succeed because the money owed John Gruden. At last check, they still owed John Gruden $40 million. Josh McDaniels, he's 7-13. And, and Gruden's coming after that. Th yes, yeah, he's probably going to get it. 7-13 and 13 through 20 games. Signed a three-year deal before last season, $10 million a year. Uh, he's not getting fired this year. A, I don't see the Raiders completely bottoming out to a point that they'd fire him. I think it's going to be another 
six and eleven, seven and ten type disappointing season. But they're going to trot him back out next year, and if it continues to go that way, that's when they'll fire him. Ultimately, he will be fired pretty quickly in Las Vegas, but I don't think it's going to be this year because of those money issues. Yeah, and, and keep in mind, Mark Davis did not want to fire John Gruden. No. you know, and, and he still owes him, but he's pointing to the NFL as cause, and Gruden's going to come back for that. If that were to happen... That was what was uh, cited last year as to why they were cash-strapped on the contract. So, uh, no, I, I, I'm not on the bus with this yet, David. It's because we haven't heard anything different uh, as far as the finances are concerned for the Las Vegas Raiders, cash-wise, on hand, uh, liquid, yeah. for, for what uh, the Raiders need. He's also been bad. Uh, we will acknowledge no, that yeah, as well. Like, I, I'm not saying it's by his merit that he sh- won't get fired. I think it's financially. They're not going to do it this year. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick 1,500-mile trip over to Chicago. Speaking of coaches getting fired, Matt Eberflus will be the first NFL coach fired in 2023. I don't think so. I don't think so. The Chicago Bears have never fired a head coach midseason. Wow. Ever. And I don't think he's going to be the first because I still believe that's going to be Staley. I think Brandon Staley remains that, even though it was a loser-leave-town game this past weekend that the Chargers won against Minnesota – uh, upcoming for the Chargers, they've got the Raiders at home this week. Then they're going to host the Dallas Cowboys, and then they travel to Kansas City prior mm. to taking on the Chicago Bears and Eberflus. That game could determine the future of Brandon Staley, just like we felt like this one could, because they've got the week five bye uh, after uh, the, the upcoming game, and then who knows what's, what's left for Staley after that. If Joe Namath had his way, it would be Robert Sala being the first to get fired uh, midseason this year. Uh, I don't know that anybody's going to get fired in season. I-, I can't really circle anyone that I say this is definitely going to happen. It would be Eberflus just by merit alone and how bad it is in Chicago. But I think Hutton's point about uh, that family not firing someone midseason mixed with the fact that it is burning around him. And I don't think they're looking to add more variables to the mix by firing a head coach midseason with this mysterious resignation from their defensive coordinator mixed with Justin Fields not being coached well, not getting any better. So I think that he's going to survive until after the final game of the regular season. And let's throw in another one just real quick, and I'm making sure we're not going to bring his name up. We're not. Ron Rivera can also be added to this list. Uh, That's the only one I thought of. But because Eberflus is a possibility. Eberflus is basically playing the role of Rivera of last year with a dumpster fire franchise right now in Chicago. And you've you've got options in, in Washington now where, you know, maybe the new ownership, maybe they want to take a peek and, and see what's available uh, within their own staff instead of Rivera if things continue to trend towards losing, which they've done a little bit of both with Rivera. I love this question, Davey. And honestly, if we were going just by performance so far, the guy who it should be is Sean Payton. Sean Payton Mm. looks like Urban Meyer and Nathaniel Hackett combined right now through three weeks. But it's not going to happen because they paid a ton of money to get Sean Payton out of television and also – he won a Super Bowl with the Saints well, and was successful there, so they're not going to do it that that quickly. Just a little bit of a tease. We will get to Sean Payton okay. later in the show, but uh, just a quick detour before we go to our next stop. Who would the Bears' Jeff Saturday be? The, well, 
I don't know who they would turn to in this instance. I, I mean, it would uh, Getsy maybe, but again, like that, he's already the offensive coordinator. Well, I just don't. I don't think it's. A, you're saying like an outside the box Mike Singletary, uh, Singletary. would be a, be a name that I would throw out. Dave like if, you're, if you're going, I'm trying to think of in media. Are there any former Bears that are in media? Dave Dave McGinnis is a good one. Someone that you could pull in. Urlacher. That's friends him. of the family. Yeah. Brian Urlacher. I, I'll go. Mike Singletary, okay. who we've had on this show, as their Jeff Saturday, if that happened. All right, guys, we're going to go down south and uh, happen to just we happen to be in Nashville presently, but this is the final year for Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry as Tennessee Titans. Yes, yes, and uh, even if Tannehill ends up playing well, it's going to be a, a beaten and bruised season for him behind that offensive line. Uh, Derek Henry is already sharing carries with another running back for the first time. And you've got, uh, in some cases, they can't stay on the field long enough for him to get bulk carries. Uh, a lot of money allocated at those two spots. And they were halfway running it back, halfway not. They brought in Hopkins, and it kind of felt like they were trying to do it one more time to be competitive. And they will be competitive. But for the last two off seasons, they have drafted a backup running back and a backup quarterback. And they've doing that. They're doing that for a reason. Levis is there for a reason. It's it's time to turn the page to the new era and get ready for the opening of the new stadium with a new era of players that are going to be hitting their prime at that time. In theory, that's what they'll be doing. It, they're not going to be back. Um, I, this is what's troubling about the Titan situation. It's and I love Derrick Henry. It's not that Derrick Henry's not going to be back. It's just it's not the way the league is going where you're going to miss that as much as not having a quarterback. And what they've done is they've hedged at the position you absolutely cannot hedge on. They have drafted third round, has not worked out, but yet is somehow better than the guy they traded up for to get early second round because he's ahead of him on the depth chart. They've, they have mismanaged that position badly. And because of that, they're going into a situation next year where there's no real answer, and I don't think they're going to be drafting top five to draft a quarterback. And final 10 seconds on this, Davey. Uh, if Tannehill were to go down long-term, Will Levis is going to be the guy that takes over at quarterback after a, a short stint by Malik Willis. That would be my assumption. Okay, guys, I know we've been on the NFL, but I do have one college question here for you as we head down to Athens, Georgia. But the Bulldogs will go 12-0 and for a third straight regular season. No. Hmm. Nope. Uh, th this is this is where the 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 middle of the conference, much like the Pac-12, I think the middle of the conference is about the same, and I think the very top of the conference that everyone just assumes is going to win and continue to win regresses a bit, and it's due to Stetson Bennett not being there. I I still don't point to. Beck as the guy that I know is the alpha in the moment to lead a drive and go get points and win whenever you're not playing at your very best on the road in a tough environment. They will face some of that. Not the, it's not a brutal schedule, but South Carolina was up 11 at halftime against these Bulldogs. There will be another team along the way that can do that. Yeah, at Auburn, Kentucky at home, at Vanderbilt, Florida at home, Missouri at home, Ole Miss at home, at Tennessee – at Georgia Tech. That looks imminently doable. The, the toughest one on that list would be at Tennessee, second to last week of the season, just looking at it on paper. But on paper a year ago, they should have blown out Missouri. Yeah. Missouri should have won that game. 
on the road in Missouri. And that was a much better Georgia team, I think. So I think the odds are good someone sneaks up on them and surprises them and beats them in a game. But I'm going to go on the bus with this one. Prove me wrong. This is a team that's going to be right there for a third straight national title. I think they at least get through the regular season 12-0, and and that surprises me based on what I've seen from them so far. It's as much about what I've seen from the rest of the conference as well. I think Georgia goes undefeated again. Okay, and uh, finally, we're heading down to Miami, and uh, I think we're hitting a barge, even though I would have taken the A1A, <laughs> but Tua will win the NFL MVP award. We're going to get to this one a little bit later because I definitely want to break this one down with Davey on Tua. Okay. I'm saying no because I just still don't trust that he stays healthy for the duration of the season because we haven't seen that. You know what? We'll that. do it now. Yes, I'm on the bus. He's All winning right, we'll, MVP. We'll explain that. Tua for MVP. I'm on. Headlines next, including Broncos the NFL. Country. Let's ride. And how they always win.